0: Log Talk Radio.
1: We back.
2: They They call call
1: me A Roddy. I'm back. What's going on, Mighty Nation? I'm Anthony Salome. This is Alex Nicholas and we are back with another episode of the Rush Podcast, a new season. Two thousand seventeen football season is just around the corner. What's this, our three year, four year anniversary between me and you doing this vlog? I lose count, man. I lose count, but. It's been fun, I've been a fun ride. What's going on, it y'all? Was... Shout
0: out to Austin, Texas. Shout out to North there East we go. El Paso, 7924. <laughs> what's good, everybody? Was good? Another season coming up. Man, we, you know what's crazy? Usually, this time, I mean, you know, we're all hyped. We're all, you know, we're all juiced up. We're homers or whatever that. But we actually got some legit stuff to talk about because we've seen some UTEP basketball. We've seen some UTEP football and just a week away from the opener, man. So. Let's jump right into it. We're going to start off. First of all, we'll start off with a little bit of basketball. We'll get into football later. All, as always, we're taking your calls if y'all could get through on the line. What's that number? I can't read it. 347
1: 934 It hasn't changed since we started, and Alex still I can't remember, still can't remember.
0: I can't remember, I can't remember a damn thing, bro. You know why. But <laughs> uh, either way, hit us up on Twitter at SBM Minor Rush. Hit us up in the K, uh, K, uh Case comments. I'm looking at work. Page comments over there on Minor It's been you a long it. time since I can't hear a rap the right on the mic. Like, you doubt that. No doubt about that. But let's get into it. Miners getting back from Costa Rica on Sunday. A I, I don't I guess the only words to really describe this would be an interesting tournament. Like we talked about pre-show. You know, the big guns were kind of hidden per se. Uh got a lot of saw a lot of the young guys, but we didn't see a lot of young guys. We saw a lot of tweets about them. Guys, Obviously, there was no TV, no radio, Um, but a one and two start or whatever you want to call it, a one and two performance. I don't know for you how much you're judging the wins and losses compared to what you saw on statues to what you saw in little highlights. What do you take away as a whole? you know, like I mentioned, we didn't get a chance to sit there and watch 60 Minutes of Basketball like we have, would have liked to. But what was kind of your biggest takeaway from reading, from looking at statues that just kind of jumped at you and said, man, that's something that you could build on and come us over?
1: Well, you know, I think it's easy to look at the scores. It's easy to see the, the back-to-back losses to uh, McGill, was it? McGill University? McGill. Um, times two. Times two. It's easy to see those and, in, 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 you know – take it as a negative and say, well, you know, we can't even beat these smaller schools out of Canada and whatnot, but it's no different than any other, um, any other exhibition game for Tim Floyd. We've seen this throughout his time here. He, he doesn't necessarily, it's not about winning and losing for him. When he goes into those games, sure. I mean, there's that competitive fire and you want to win the game, but really he wants to see what he's got in his players. Some of these young guys, these new kids, obviously like we're used to plenty of, of new faces in the program. And so, you know, if you look at the box score and you start looking at, I think Omega never played more than like 26 minutes. Yeah. He played like eight you know, minutes, nine minutes the last game. Exactly. You know, so you have, he's really just trying to see what he's got. I mean, you had a, remind me his name, the walk-on. Um,
0: Deshaun something.
1: Th- that kid it had like, you know, he was our leading scorer one game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that it shows you that everybody's getting in the rotation. Everybody's getting playing time. And so it's not so much about wins and losses as much as just finding out what you have for this coming season. So it's easy to say, well, we lost to a smaller school or, or whatnot, but it really that really doesn't define exactly what where this season is going. I mean, I'm not saying that we're going to be good. I don't know how good this team can be. That's still yet to be determined. But just seeing how they played in Costa Rica isn't exactly the whole story. Now, what I will say, and something I was mentioning to you before the show is just what's, what, what's kind of disheartening is seeing that this team – Floyd's team has still not learned how to defend the three-point line. McGill lit us up man. twice in a row from the three-point line. Lit, lit, lit and, and that more than anything is why we lost the game because we couldn't hit threes and they were knocking them down. And, you know, we saw that a lot last year and you just you, – it's hard to, to give up 10, 12, 15 three-pointers in the game and still win. And so, you know, what the, the worst part about this all is that Tim Floyd started his career here at UTEP as – the chapter in his career here at UTIP as a defensive coach. I mean, and he showed that that was his staple. I mean, it was defense and you had guys that wanted to play defense and you had games that weren't so attractive, you know, weren't too fun to watch because they were in the fifties and sixties and they were slowed down and, and you just a slug it out, you know, ball game. You don't see that anymore. You don't see that anymore from Tim Floyd. And, and I don't know if his coaching style is just changing or if he's not getting the athletes that he wants that want to buy into what he's selling defensively. But that, in my opinion, is what needs to change if this team
0: is going to be good this season. And I think it's personnel. I think – I mean, it has to be personnel. And, I mean, so many interchangeable parts the past couple years when during those defensive teams you had your your two best defensive players, Julian Washburn and and Cedric Lang. as kind of defensive stalwarts, defensive pillars that you kind of lean on no matter what. You know Juju's going to go out there and he's going to guard the best score. You know Ced's going to shut down their biggest post presence. And that's something that UTEP hasn't had. Now, you throw in Matt Wilms, you throw in a guy like Kelvin Jones, you're hoping that at least that part can be done in terms of teams, you know, just basically muscling the minors up inside. Now, you got to attribute these new guards and get them in the mix. You got so many new guards out there. And one of the guys I want to talk about, and I got to kind of eat crow, I got to eat my own shit on this one, because during the scrimmage, we were texting and I was real negative about Isaiah Osborne. I was really negative. I thought he just wasn't a guy that looked physically that could hang at the D1 level. But you look at what he did, you know. Lloyd's obviously seen something when the guy's getting 31 minutes per game. And we talked about integrating new guys. I think there's a reason why Isaiah Osborne played 94 minutes in three games. This dude's going to play. He's going to play. And he averaged 11.3 points a game that it was. And, you know, this guy – his ability to kind of just be that Swiss army knife. He can, he can, he has that quick release from the outside. I mean, that's going to be key when UTEP can find a point guard that can kind of find him out on the wings on, on, on that, on the extra pass, that pass pass, not so much that first pass, but that ball reversal. It, that's going to be a key guy. Not only that, but he's a little silky getting to the rim and he can get to the free throw line and he can make free throws. And that, so that's a guy that I'm also looking to looking at that, that really kind of stood out And another guy that I really like and, I was I was high on him from the minute I saw him put on gym shorts, just shooting around. Trey Wade, I mean, this kid had a double double in that last game, and, and that this was a game where he played twenty six, twenty seven minutes, where you know it kind of you know, kind of looked like, okay, maybe Flaggart is in foul trouble, Omega's in foul trouble type of situation, maybe not so much in that game, but the way that that kid stepped up and as athletically as, I mean, this kid is gifted. I mean, there's not very many gifted athletes that go six five that have tremendous footwork defensively, can fly out of the gym and have a mid-range jump shot. I mean, that... To me, you, you, you look at what Tim Floyd's teams have done in the past, going back to USC, going back to Iowa State, those guards scream production, those type of wings. And those two guys, Osborne and Wade, I thought was positive because not only did they get their minutes, but they did something with their minutes. They hit those shots. They, you know, Osborne in one of the overtime games hit a cl- two clutch shots to tie the game. Now, albeit they lost, but you, know, you want to see that. You want to have that go-to guy. That's something this team has kind of lacked for a be- lack of a better so, word, since Cole since Culpepper, really. So when you see that, that kind of that that's positive to me to see those two guys. Cause I think those guys every year you, you know, everybody is a big question of well, okay, which freshman, which newcomers are gonna play. Tim Floyd kinda tipped his hand, you know, showing who is gonna get legitimate minutes. And honestly, bro, I'm gonna say this shit. And I know a lot of people are probably gonna get crunk on 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 wherever y'all listen to this, but Trey Tuchet and Jake Flagger, yep, their minutes. If if these two kids continue to to grow and continue to play that athletic type ball, you got two veterans that have been around for a while that could see their minutes dwindle. I know, you know, they've been in the program, they they've done everything right, but you know, when you got production and you got athletes like Isaiah Osborne and Trey Wade, those well, oh, motherfuckers gotta
1: play, bro. I will say this about Trey Tuchet, he has been kind of thrust into action mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. a lack of depth at, at the guard. Since he, since he stepped in after his red shirt year. Exactly. Basically. And so, so that's why he's seen a lot of minutes and he's done well. Don't get me wrong. He stepped up, you know, everybody thought from the, from the get go that he was a bit undersized for the division one level. Um, But he's knocked down some key shots here and there. He's, he's come in and played defense. He's, you know, not made a whole lot of mistakes when he's on the ball. So it's just, he, he's done well. Flagger, you know, he looked, had, he looked bad in the He's had scrimmage. some flashes, but, yeah, I mean, it's just it, – He looked real bad. It's time. I mean, you're a senior now, you know, in a fifth year, if I'm mistaken, yeah, right? Fifth exactly. year senior, it's like – I mean, it's it's time to step up, man. And and if it hasn't happened by now, then you, if you're kind of at the point where you don't know if what's going to happen. But I really think – I really think that Floyd's going to give him his minutes. Oh, yeah. Because he's paid his dues to the program. He's registered in the year. Dur- him, you, you might see his minutes reduced a little bit, but he's still going to get his – I'll, I'll, I'm gonna bring up another guy though that that um, we haven't talked about yet, and that's Kelvin Jones. You know his his two games that he had good minutes. He had I, I want to say 13 and five, 13 and five, and in minimal minutes too. Yeah, say like well that minutes. one he had like 27 minutes. But in the in the other game, you know, just over 19 minutes. I'm sorry, I, I don't I don't have the stature in front of me, but he had like almost 10 points, a couple rebounds. I mean, if he can do that, if he can come in and play 20, 22 minutes, 24 minutes and get 10 points and four or five rebounds, that's all you can ask of that kid right now. And, and the thing about it is, is we still don't know where Matt Williams' health is at. You know, it, it's, that has been something that has just haunted him for the last couple of years. And, you know, we would hope that he's able to come out, play full games, play 30 minutes a game, 35 minutes a game, be there for a the whole season. But truth is, we don't know how long that's going to last. And, and as long as Matt's in, that's great. But when he's not, or, you know, even if they need to kind of just taper his minutes down and, and keep him to 25 to 30 minutes a game instead of 30 to 35, and you have a guy like Kelvin behind him that's going to produce the way he's producing, that's going to, that's going to pay huge dividends for this team.
0: I got some news to report on, on Matt Williams, and I think a lot of people that were able to see the scrimmage can agree. He, he looked healthy, and, you know, he only played about 13, 14 minutes, but I was sitting right next to Phil Johnson who was coaching the returners team in that scrimmage, and he was really watching Matt's minutes. You know what I mean? So he's, he's, he's okay in terms of help, but you can tell they're really being cautious with him because of that. And I went on Kara D a a couple of times in the past couple of weeks, and I, I spit out the hottest take you're going to ever hear, so don't, don't drink your water while, you, while you're sipping this, my boy, Anthony, because I really think the way that I saw Kelvin Jones th- – th- this is what I saw from Kelvin Jones in that game. They throw it to him in the block. He, Joey St. Pierre, the freshman's on it. What does Kelvin Jones do instead of look to pass? He grabs it, triple threat, two, three, one move, bucket. I was like, that's, that's growth. Next play, they throw it to him in the block. He makes a great post move, little spin move right behind St. Pierre. Had a two-hand slam. I'm thinking go up and slam it. Dishes it out to Touche, wet from three. That, that, little, that little bit of basketball IQ I think really, honestly, if, if Williams is healthy and if Williams is the Matt Williams that we saw against Western Kentucky last year, another big game, Marshall that he had last year, if he's that double-double Williams mixed, mixed with a guy like Kelvin Jones that can give you 18 minutes and put up 8.6 boards, bro, my hot take, UTEP has one of the top center depths
1: oh, yeah. in the conference, oh, yeah. and, and there's
0: no question about Not that. No question, yeah. like, like, I mean, that, that, I mean, call it a lukewarm take, whatever, but I just really feel from what I saw from Kelvin in that scrimmage, that basketball IQ, him growing, and dude, Yo, no homo, dude is chiseled, bro. <laughs> Kelvin Jones, is body, I hey, mean, yo. Like, I
1: don't know about his body, all right? He looks, but like, he looks like a specimen. You know, man. I'm still waiting for Matt to be that, that defensive presence and that presence on the boards because he's never been that. And consistently he, and there's and from no trip, question, to trip There's I no question about his offensive game. The guy's got great moves, great footwork, great hands, you know, so he can play the post. But he's never really been a great rebounder. Now, every now and then he'll go for 10 or 12 yeah. boards, but it's not a consistent – Thing. I mean, we need seven, eight out of him. Get, like, that's something that we definitely need. That's not even a question. got to be there. But I'm waiting for that from him. But Kelvin Jones, I mean, since he, stepped, since he came into the program, I've seen him as a Cedric Lang with better offensive skills. Yeah. Cause Seth took three or four years before he finally. I his mean, it was year where he finally got it going on the offensive end. There were so many times I couldn't count how many times where Cedric Lang would get the ball as a freshman, sophomore, even into his junior year down in the post to make a great move and like just completely brick a layup, you know. And and it wasn't until late in his junior into his senior year that he finally got that going. You're talking about Kelvin Jones. He's starting to get that going now as a, a, soft, he's still a sophomore. Yeah. Right? You know, he's, still start, he's starting to get that going in his second year here. So, if he continues to improve at that pace and Matt Williams is healthy, without question, without question, this is the best duo, you know, in the paint in Conference USA, without Easily.
0: question. So, yeah, I mean, lots lots to take away from, from that Costa Rica tournament in terms of the newcomers. You know, one thing that I kind of pointed out, and I'll start, mention this to Anthony, I don't know what the hell this means. I, I don't know if this is going to translate into wins come Frisco in March or, or even a December run or a conference run, but Tim Floyd just has a different attitude about him. He, he's he's more playful. He's more lax. I was comparing it to Anthony, uh, you know, when I first started when, when I would go to practices with the Julian Washburn years. And I mean, Tim Floyd just looked like he felt like he had to stick up his ass. I mean, there was no smiling, you know, you, you Bohannon would cut cut a joke in practice and they're on the line running. I just, feel like Tim Floyd he trusts this team a little bit more i don 't know it 's because he has three seniors that've been around here for four years and I mean, you look at it, each one of these seniors has been through some shit. Omega with his grades, Flaggert with playing time, Williams with injury. I, I don't know if there's, like, a trust factor or what it is, but Tim Floyd just seems like a different type of approach with this team. And, and you can see it. What I saw most evident was that first quarter of that scrimmage because it was 25-25, and it was up and down. The, everybody was shooting. There was nobody. Lo- you know, you, you've seen. Tim Floyd teams, when you take a bad shot, what does that person do? Look at the bench. You didn't see that. You saw guys playing with confidence. You saw guys playing loose. And I don't know what that's going to mean. Like I said, I I don't know. I have no fucking clue, but being in a locker room, being an athlete myself, when you don't, when you have a hard-ass coach, like we've talked about with Tim Floyd, but when he can show a soft side like that, that builds continuity, that builds chemistry, that builds trust, but not from a coach to player, but from a player to a coach. And I, like I said, I don't know what that's going to do, y'all. I really don't, but I just felt a different vibe that this team just wasn't intimidated by taking a bad shot, wasn't intimidated intimidated by making a play, wasn't intimidated by gambling on defense and getting burned. Now, obviously, that could change come October, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Obviously, we're in August. That could totally 360 flip, but I just really, really felt like that was kind of something that I wanted just to bring up and kind of get your take on. You know, is that something that Tim – Floyd has to do to be able to get the most out of his players or is it him getting off there in age? I mean, what do you think that is? I'm tr- I am don't know. I I think, know how, you I know think, how
1: I think. I think he's at, at a point in his career, at a point in his tenure at UTEP that he's got to try something different because he's had his foot on the gas pedal to t- pedal to t- the metal since he got here. Hard ass. I mean, no nonsense. I mean, to the point where, I mean, I don't know this as a fact, but you can pretty much put two and two together and say that he's driven players out of here. Yeah. You know, oh, and and been. I'm not saying that they should have listen. left or anything like that, but you know, the way he is with them on the practice court, off, you know, in the game, he's, I mean, he's he's driven players out of here, and and I think he's at a point in his career where it's time to produce, and he can't afford to lose players, and and he also just has to try something different to be able to. Yeah, I mean, to see if these guys will respond differently because obviously what he's done so far has not worked. It, it's been I, – I lose track, at, you know, at this point, but what is it? Is it the eighth year now? Is that what it is? Yeah. You know, eight years with, with literally nothing to show for it. And so I, I just think more than anything, he's, he's come to the conclusion that what he's been doing has not worked and it's time to try something different. Um, and I think that'll show – It'll translate onto the court. You know, when you see these guys, like you're talking about, more confident, more able to just play their game and not have to worry about, you know, being yelled at or being taken out of the game, I think you'll see that. But I think what I want to see more is to see how many of these newcomers, six guys, five freshmen, I want to see how many stick around until next year. Because if you start more, seeing more defections, then obviously he really hasn't changed. I think if you start seeing this coach that they can open up to and, you know, he's he's more of a you know, laid-back type of coach, I think you won't see those guys leaving the program. And and I think that'll – for me to see a t- Coach Floyd truly change, I think that's going to be the, the key right there. I agree. That's a damn
0: good point. That's a damn good point. But we'll point. have to so wait we'll a to year wait. To see. Yeah, and like I said, could that change in October? Could he get back to drill Sergeant Floyd 24-7? It could. It could, but, you know, that's a damn good point that you made. So, while we're on freshmen and recruits, there was some recruiting news that's happened, uh, particularly on April 20th. Hey, what day is that? 20, uh, <laughs> Taj Royster committed back on April 20th, six, eight, four. Now these next two commits we're going to talk about, these are prop 48 guys. And we've all know how well Tim Floyd's done with these prop 48 guys and Taj Royster 6'8, uh, forward out of, out of uh, Houston, another stretch forward type guy. I really think this guy's length and his ability inside is going to help. Um, but the guy that I'm really fired up about the one that just committed on August 11th, Kahim Brown from Brooklyn, We're talking about New York City guards. You're talking about tough motherfuckers, guys that are going to get dirty, guys that are going to defend, guys that are going to get to the rim. Kaheem Brown, I mean, you look at the offers from this kid, obviously, and this is not a knock on the kid, you know, no disrespect at all, but obviously grades were the reason why there was a lot of the schools that were after him backed off. And, you know, like I said, Tim has done a tremendous job with this Prop 48 deal where, you know, he gets kids. First of all, to come to school here, you know, it's a tough situation to tell a kid, look, you can come here, but you got to pay your own way. I mean, what kid from Brooklyn, what kid from Houston is going to do that? That says a lot about, excuse me, dang, a little heartburn there. But, you know, I really like this Kaheem Brown kid. I think this kid is going to be one of those impact freshmen that you see. Obviously, he's going to – I'm not saying he's going to take nobody's spot, but that's your omega – replacement, if you will, you know, not really in the same mold as Speedo's or Omega, but a physical guard, that's going to be a huge one, and also uh, a loss, UTEP lost, uh, they had a three-star guard that visited the beginning of August, Rip Ikonamo, if I'm saying his name right, he just committed to Seattle U today. I was hoping we would talk about a new UTEP commit because this kid kind of reminded me of like a Josh Swiggin, six seven, really really athletic wing that can shoot it, can really just wear it out. It, that to me that's kind of a borderline loss. If Kahim Brown didn't commit, I would be kind of saying, well, we might you might want to be concerned about what UTEP's looking for because we know what they're going to need for 2018. They need length on the wing. You're going to need length on the wing. Trey Wade is going to need some help. Obviously you're losing Omega. Obviously you're losing Jake. you uh, going to or excuse me not Flagger or I mentioned Flaggert, Tuchet's going to be a senior. So I think what you're going to see, they got their forward in, in Taj Royster. Now you got to look for that guard. You're going to have to get two or three scoring guards. I don't think you can't, I don't know if you can go so much specialist, maybe if a six 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 seven guy that could really defend, but you're going to definitely need a scorer in there. I think Kaheem Brown is that. There believe there's two more available scholarships, so it's going to be interesting to see how aggressive they are with that, because they've been pretty aggressive. Um, and then not only that, but looking at 2017, I don't know if you've seen this. I did a little write-up on this DeVonte, the other day. Du- du- Devontae, how do you say that last day? The uh, du- du- retrieve Yo, I mean, you know, we, we, we've followed Tim Floyd recruiting since, I mean, Anthony's followed longer than me this is the first time in probably two or three years where UTEP has been in the running for a guy this high. Yep. And, and not only that, but UTEP hasn't really been involved with these guys. We've talked about it here before how Floyd's changing that kind of perception instead of just offering every four-star guard guard that has California ties to him. This kid right here actually has some Texas ties. Um, you know, it's down to Gonzaga, Oregon. I know Oregon's backcourt is stacked out. I think Gonzaga, you know, they lost what Nigel Goss from that from last year's big team. So I I don't know how much of an impact, but I mean, if this, if this kid really wants to come in and play, you know, he'll play here. There's no, I mean, there's no doubt about it that he will play here. And this kid, I mean. There's no doubt. I mean, he's 152nd overall by 24-7. Scout ranks him 67, 13th best overall shooting guard per scout. I mean, I think this guy, looking at some of his film, he fits Conference USA. You know, you're looking at Pac-12. You're looking at even some of the upper echelon of West Coast Coast Conference. You kind of see, okay, this guy can fit if they have room. But you look at this guy in Conference USA. There's no doubt he can make an impact. He's going to visit this week. If if Floyd can pull this one off, and and I've said this on a couple of matches boards, I think for the first time in a while outside losing Roger Williams, Floyd's kind of weathered the offseason. Close to saying he's won the offseason a couple of times, but if he can steal this Devatri kid from Gonzaga in in Oregon – I mean that's not a
1: that's a pretty damn good offseason for Tim Floyd compared to the bullshit that's gone on in the past couple of years. No doubt about it. I mean he's got the numbers, he's got the size. Uh, what interests me the most is that you've got a kid like this this late in the recruiting process that I mean when you talk when you bring Gonzaga into the picture you're talking about a kid that's that you're not gonna have to worry about in the classroom, basically. Yeah. You know, because Gonzaga doesn't just go after anybody. Like you, yeah. you, gotta be able to qualify academically, and and they look for. I mean, it's hard to get into Gonzaga. Let's he, put it his, that they, way. They confirmed. Two, two, oh, I think it was twenty-four. Our scout said that he's good. So I mean, so he's ready. That's something that that you just don't see. Uh, three weeks, two weeks before school starts. I mean, and you just don't see that. And so, I mean, like you said, if if Floyd can pull this one off, I mean. You still gotta win on the court of course, but you're right. I mean, this is the first off season that he's that it's been fairly successful yeah. for him. I mean, you would have liked to have seen Roderick Williams here, but aside from that, I mean, you can't you can't complain. You still got your team, you still got your your, your guys returning, you got plenty of depth in the front court and in the back court, and then you add a guy like this to the mix so that's going to come in and be able to produce and play right away. I mean, what else? What else could you ask? And, for? and on that, Roger Williams. Uh, when when how does weird he? When does it? he? Uh, we'll get this, to that in just one second. But this when does week. He, this so week. no, but he visits you this week. When does he visit Gonzaga did, and Urban, all, all or has we, he already he's, he's, this week. He's doing all three. So <laughs> they can't this, let him get there, bro. They if he's if he's here tomorrow or Wednesday, they can't let him get there. Well, are the, the top of the head. <laughs> we, need, we need to lock this kid up before he goes to past Yeah, it's going to be tough to hold on to a guy like that. I mean, it's so hard, man. When you look at kids like this, and you can't blame them. I mean, nah. I, I was an athlete growing up, and you always you, you always dream of playing for in Oregon for a Gonzaga, you know what I mean, for name schools. So, I mean, it's going to be hard for Utah to, to hold on to him, but if they're able to, man, that's going to be a, a big-time piece for this team. Hopefully they can, you know, use him and, and, and turn it into wins on the court and kind of just. Just real quick on Roger Williams, and I don't mean to disrespect
0: anything when I say this, but add Jesus Christ to the list of the reasons why you basketball players don't show up okay. or try. I mean, that I just, you yeah, know, okay. we're, we're quick to blame Floyd for a lot of things, you know what I mean? Like, what, okay, but, let's talk
1: about that though. What was the story with that? So
0: okay, according to Floyd, when I asked him, I don't know when when I met with him a couple about a month ago, Roger Williams showed up on My my dates may be wrong, but he showed up on a Sunday. Summer two was supposed to start that next Monday. So he get his mom and and Roger Williams drove all the way from Cali. They staying at a hotel. Roger got checked into his room or whatever, his dorm room. Supposed to go to class the next Monday. Floyd has breakfast with the mom before the mom takes back off to Cali. So he's here for a day. He's here, I mean, what, maybe 36 hours at most. I don't know who his roommate is, but now we're getting into Tuesday. Roger Williams left a note on his pillow saying that he had prayed on it and Jesus told him to go back home and finish his career there. I don't know. I haven't seen where he signed at. I, but it's just that to me, I, I can't, you know. We, we, I mean, I'm guilty. I blame Tim Floyd for everything on this show. I blame Tim Floyd for me having $20 at the end of the month before payday. <laughs> but I can't blame Tim Floyd for this one. I mean, that honestly, Tim did. I mean, they, they, this kid I thought was locked in. I thought he was all in on UTEP, you know, talking to him when we were DMing him when he, when he, were, when he, when he recruited him, you know, from everything from, when he graduated from his JUCO, he had UTEP on his graduation cap. You know what I mean? Like this kid was all in something happened and I'm not a spiritual person. Like, I don't mean to disrespect nobody when I said that, you know, but it's, it, it, that, it is what it is. I mean, it, it, if that's the hundred percent truth, I can't really blame anybody, you know, you can't really blame anybody, I mean, that's somebody's faith, and, and, you know, that is what it is, I ain't gonna get into religion on this damn show, but it's awkward, right, that's one of the most, I mean, more than the Isaac Hamilton, more than the Chris Sandifer, I mean, that were well, kind of and look, dry. If you're, if you're religious, if you're religious,
1: then I could understand you praying and, and getting your answers through prayer, that's, that's fine. Yeah, exactly, but I just have a hard time believing that's what, that's what actually happened here, because honestly... In my opinion, you know, if you are religious, that you 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 ask for that guidance from God, you know, beforehand, like you know, to make that decision, to to see what's the best place that, for you as a person and and where you can be able to grow as a pure, as a person and a player, you know. So, in my opinion, like that was already made. So obviously, like something else happened. Yeah. Something something else, somebody or something else intervened. And I wouldn't be surprised to see this kid end up at some USG, major program Pac-12. and and uh, and wind up you know finishing his career career there. The other thing though that I was gonna say is he's a California kid, right? Yeah and he played Juco in California, yeah. right? I, I will say this much. There goes your fantasy hopes. Uh that sucks, man. OBJ. Hope. Um leaving home for the first time. Like, for real, being away from home for the first time is not easy. Bro, I like went to 18, Ranger fucking Texas. 19, okay? It is not <laughs> I easy, bro. I hear you. I, left, I left for college as soon as I graduated. I had, I literally, like, turned 18, like, a couple days before I left. And the first couple days that I was away were, like, some of the hardest days of my life. Like, I just wanted to go back home because I was so used to living at home and, like, being around my family. And, and then you you just you go to this point where, like, now you're in an apartment by yourself. Or with a roommate, you don't really know them, and, and you're, just, you're just in a completely different situation, you know? And so I could see homesickness also being yeah. a big part of it. I mean, if he's never been away from home, he played high school in L.A., he played JUCO in L.A., and all of a sudden he leaves, and he's like, oh, mama, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just, she just left, and he's like, I want to go home, because honestly, I, I felt that when I left. Like, the first two days, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, I just, I want to go home. And then, you know, you find, you get settled in and it get, you get over it. But I'm just saying, like, I could see that playing a part as well. But it would not surprise me at all to see him end up at a at a place like USC or whatever, you know, play, playing his fight. Because obviously he's going to lose eligibility this year, right? I would
0: think so because I don't know. I don't know if they, they haven't said they've released him yet. I don't – well, no, here's the thing. They, have, they haven't even contacted. Like, he like that was what Floyd said. They had, like, there was no contact. It was just that letter. So there hasn't been a talk of a release. There right. hasn't so he's – I mean, pretty much he's losing out, I mean, by the minute of this week that school's starting, you know what I mean? Like, he's basically – I mean, it's, that's what, that's what's weird about it because there's no contact that was like, oh, well, I'm going to go here instead. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel you all the way. I was there too when I went to Ranger, Ranger fucking Texas out of high <laughs> school, bro. And I was like, what the hell am dude, I doing here? You and Billy G? I was not. Billy was still drunk then, but (laughs) but yeah, that's that's just one of the most interesting things that that's came about the offseason. Luckily, that was the only crazy thing that you want to call it crazy for UTEP basketball. But either way, we'll get to more UTEP basketball in the next month or so as recruiting picks up, as practice picks up, guys get much needed a couple of weeks off because from what I heard and what I saw, Tim Floyd worked them boys that one week before they went to Costa Rica. So. Wrap up UTEP basketball, and let's hit, let's hit Twitter real quick because we got some uh, football questions via Twitter that can kind of segue us and warm us up for some football talk here, As Damn, it's right around that corner. And I, you know what? I ain't even going to hold no punches back with that Oklahoma game. We don't get rolled. I mean, there's no other way to put that, and we'll obviously get into that here. But uh, my man, Minor in Wisconsin, hit us up on Twitter well a really good question, this is kind of the million-dollar question that me and Anthony have been shooting back and forth to each other since Sean Coogler took over the fucking team. And he brings up a good point, though. And this is Minor Wisconsin on Twitter, at Minor in uh, Lots of passing in the last scrimmage, and to kind of comment on it, there's also a lot of passing in the first scrimmage. But his question is, do you think that Coogler is really going to open things up a, big, a bit on offense and keep the defense honest? I mean that's that's like I said that's the question that we've really been throwing off to each other. I think I could answer and, this one, man. I think let me let me take a second. Go for it. Let go me take for a second. It. No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I think I, I agree with you, but I, I, I agree with you, but I'm gonna say this. I think that they're gonna tailor from what I've seen in, in, in camp. If this makes any sense, what I'm about to say, if you're if you're if you're not an X's the O's person, try to follow me. I really think what they've done offensively is they've tailored the off tailored, not so much the offense, but tailored the passing game to strengths. What I saw, the two big plays that I got to saw a couple of weeks ago in, in Rio Dozo were basic kind of nine to 12 yard deep hitch routes with Reddicks and Junel, basically playing with their strengths. And what is Junel in Reddicks' strength? If you've seen them, they're that, one foot cut and go guys turn around catch it make one cut and you're gone that i've seen that a little bit more where you, they're tailoring to the offense and, and what their skill set and another thing that i saw a lot of out routes lucero weeks crossing routes a lot of different things that that are just simple but could could not so much open up the offense but make the passing game a little bit more effective in situations by putting guys like reddick's in those turn you know go to a marker, turn around a hitch, or even little slants that I saw. I, I don't think, so. I agree with Anthony that you're not going to see this UTEP team chuck the ball 30, 40 times a game, but I really think now in the second year of a Brent Peace offense, and the second year of the route tree concepts that they built, with Ryan Metz being with most of these receivers for three or four years, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see UTEP be able to develop more money plays in a third and six situation, because both of those touchdowns that I saw were third and six were, I mean, what have we been bitching about all year? Third and six, it's, it, 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 it's, it's crazy. There's no route concepts. But what I saw, there was different route concepts. You're seeing the tight end go on and out. You're seeing a Reddix run a, run a money route. You're seeing Dujunel uh, uh, run another money route. So there, there, I think the offense is going to, the passing game, I keep saying offense, the passing game is going to be more tailored to strengths with what the guys that they have. I, like I mentioned, they're not going to, there's no fucking way. I mean, UTEP is going to run the ball 20 to 30 times a game, but I just think that 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 this passing game, with Metz being a, the veteran guy, with Reddick being a veteran guy, with Lucero and Weeks kind of having you know somewhat experience, and Janelle being a veteran guy, Batson being a uh, kind of that deep red, and another guy I haven't even mentioned, Alan Bootsy, the the the, the uh, JUCO guy, seeing this dude make a tremendous catch on a third and 21 the other day in the scrimmage. I think that Brent piece is just comfortable enough with these pieces to put them in better situations to make it effective. Will that lead to 200 yards passing the game? I think that's the plan. But like I said, I, I opening this up where it's chuck and duck, where Ramesh is out of the shotgun, dropping back, first, second, third down, not going to happen. But I, I think what's been better is, like I said, you just see, you see more concepts. You see guys. Playing to their strength. you see more familiarity with the play caller, with who's out there, with their personnel and their package, and I think that could could quote unquote open up the offense, if you will. But I mean,
1: there's still so many questions in that running game. I right, mean, we've seen it since since Cooper's been here. You know, he's he's not one to to throw the ball a whole lot, and yeah, I mean, Brett Piece is Brett Piece is a little more creative uh, than we've had as far as OCs go in, in recent history, but He's he's not one. I mean, even with that creativity, he's not one to throw the ball a lot either. And if you look at his time at Florida and other schools, that's that was a lot of the fans' gripe out there that it was just so boring, just so it was just running the ball. Three runs in a cloud of dust. Yeah, and so I don't see them changing a lot. But it's also going to be dictated by the success of the run game because you know obviously Coach Cooper being an offensive line coach, he's going to have them on top of their game. Um, but. Are the running backs going to be able to produce at the level that we've seen the last three years, four years with Aaron Jones? You know, if not, well, then you're going to be forced to throw the ball more because you're going to find yourself a lot more in third and six and third and, you know, third and long, third and medium, third and long. Um, with Aaron Jones, I mean, so many times you hand it to him on first down, he's getting five, six, seven yards. Or you find his home. <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden you find yourself in second and short. So, it's gonna I think they're gonna find themselves in a lot more situations where they're forced to throw the ball but I don't think as far as game planning or strategizing or just as far as as their you know their ideology if you will for offensive Uh, Planning is going to change. I don't think you're going to see them want to throw the ball more. It's going to be more of a force to throw the ball more. But it is nice to have a guy like, like you talked about, like Matt's being a veteran now and these other guys around him being veterans now and a couple other, you know, young kids coming in that can make plays on the outside. So you know, I guess if it works, then maybe it'll happen more often. But I just see them starting off this year, especially against Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. They're going to try to run the ball. They're going to try to slow it down. They're going to try to milk the clock as much as they can. Keep away and, the and, I mean, I don't know how well that's going to work. But, but <laughs> we'll get <into> that. <laughs> we'll get into that. Get into that. I, but I really do think they're going to try to run the ball. I mean, depending on how, how successful they are running it, that'll dictate how much they throw the ball throughout the season. But I don't think uh, – from a, on a week-to-week basis, they're going to try to run the football. I mean, that's what they want to do. So
0: that's who UTIP is. Exactly. Or that's what Cougar, Sean Cougar is, but so hitting up this next question that we got from hashtag we are miners at F5 underscore UTEP underscore miners part of the forgotten five program. Shout out to them. They did a good job for promoing for us. I appreciate y'all out there. Uh, but he asked, do we have a decent enough running back who will look good with the help of our offensive line? So that the offense does not come one dimensional We kind of touched on it a little bit, but let's touch, go to your running back question. Honestly. And I, I did a Q and a Q&A with underdog dynasty today, and I'm going to start hyping up a UTEP running back Walter Don. Yes. I'm going to start hyping the fuck yep. out of Walter Don because I didn't get to see him play in that first scrimmage you but talking with people talking with some offensive people there Walter Don has looked explosive and, and not only that but he carried five times for 42 yards on one drive last Sunday and that that's that I, talk, I went on sports talk last couple weeks talked about UTEP is missing that explosive guy and hope it's Don it's going to be Don I mean I, now like I said I don't know if this is the Aaron Jones but he's a home run hitter this is a guy that's going to be able to keep defenses honest this this is the guy this is the guy that when, when when you know when to answer your question you know we are martyrs. Is it, it, the offense going to be one dimensional? This is going to be kind of that Aaron Jones changeup type of guy. He's going to be that running back that's going to be able to set the tone and, and keep defenses honest. And not only that, but Kevin Dove. I mean, Kevin Dove looks the part too. I mean, those two guys. I, I, I don't want to say that's a legitimate duel because they're both really unproven. I mean, Don made great plays last year as a Swiss Army Knife. He wasn't really a running back. Was he a wide receiver? Was he a kick returner? He played all sorts. Jack of all trades last year. He's focusing on running back, his natural position, which he played in a tough district in high school up in the Dallas area. Kevin Dove, same deal. Tough, tough motherfucker from El Campo. I mean, that that's something to build on. With those two kids right there, and we haven't even mentioned Josh Fields. We haven't even a lot. Guys that I like, TK Powell ran for a buck 20 against three NFL prospects against a tech a couple of years ago. So there are capable guys. It's just with me. I'm just from what I saw that first time in camp, I only saw a guy that Kevin Dove that was FBS ready. You know what I mean? These other like, a lot has talent. He broke one off to the outside, but two guys that have FBS talent that can make impact Walter Don and Kevin Dove. And, and, and I really think Walter Don is going to have a breakout year. I, I would predict right now, if you had, I would predict somewhere maybe even between seven, 900 yards, six touchdowns. That's not asking for much, but I think, you know, parlayed with the, with an experienced guy like Metz that, like I said, I don't know if they're going to open up the pass game, but he should be more efficient. That's what UTEP is going to need. And if you can get Walter Donald out of those six touchdowns to break three or four long ones and, and really juice momentum, the offense, kind of what Aaron was able to do the past couple of years. I think that could be your remedy, but there's still a lot of questions in that running back. But so far, I mean, if I had to pick one guy, I'd say Walter. Easily.
1: I, I completely agree. And we talked about Walter Donald last year after that UTSA game where he out. I mean, he didn't. He didn't have the you know the best game rushing. I think but they he ended up with but, forty yards. Yeah, but, but it put him in a situation. Yeah, that he, but he had a couple not, runs, no. and you could just see the playmaking ability of him, and like you talk about it, the home run ability, and, and in that passing game too. Because I want to say that he had a long, like screen, screenplay that he scored a touchdown on that game. Also, he scored three touchdowns that game, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, without a question, I think he's the one guy that that is is going to be the big playmaker, but. I think that the carries are really going to be spread around, yeah. and, you know, until they figure out what they actually have. Well, I haven't been able to see him, but Josh Fields, what, what do you see from Fields? I mean, is he going to come he in? He looked
0: like a freshman the time that I saw him, but he, he, he just didn't – like, like the, honestly, that day the defensive line whooped the def- offensive line ass. And, and so I, I, I'm, I'm going to give him a fair pass. because i just thought that you know his offensive line got outplayed but he was in there Uh, there was certain times there was a red zone he was with the first team moved the ball he was with the first team so he's gonna be in the mix and check this out one thing that i did notice when he was in there in the game this is something that i've wrote about and i've talked about on my high school football shit josh Fields is one of the best running backs i've ever seen run out of the pistol like not only just straight handouts but delays uh draws, that that's Josh Fields' game. He just has that ability to kind of let the defense pass, and he can make one cut and move. And that's something that I saw when Josh Fields was in the game, a lot of pistol, a lot of different stuff that we hadn't seen to kind of tailor to his ability. So it's, it's that that when I say it's real interesting to see how Josh Fields is going is to be mixed in, it's because I saw that. I didn't see him run straight 12 personnel with a one back, 24 dive up the middle. You know, I saw a a pistol. I saw saw, saw two wides. I saw two wides and a tight end in the slot. You know what I mean? Out of the pistol with Ryan Metz. So that's where it's kind of like, okay, are they experimenting to see where he can help? Because they don't feel like he's adjusted enough to the pro style single back twelve personnel twenty two personnel. I mean, that's what's going to be kind of my question is how does he fit in schematically? Because we all know he has that talent, but it just seems right now he's still trying
1: to adjust to the full pro style offense. And that's what I think. Is, what I think is real interesting. Taking a step away from just Josh Fields in general, but you you have a scenario here at Utah that that isn't very common. At least it hasn't been over the last. You know, 10, 12 years, and that is that you don't really have a running back. I mean, we talk about Dove and Don, right? Like they seem like they're the top two that are going to come out, but you don't have. You, it really seems like it's going to be running back by committee, at yeah. least at least to start. Until somebody And you haven't down. really like every year for the last as long as I can remember, even back into the Mike Price days. Obviously, you you knew who these stars were going to be, who the guys were when you talk about guys like Banyard and you talk about a uh, Buckram, uh, Donald Buckram, but. You favorite Marcus Thomas even going going back to Marcus Thomas yeah (laughs) I mean even when you talk about what's the kid that came from I can't think of his name Ebel Tyler Ebel that's the kid from UCLA you know you always had these running backs that coming into the season you knew these were the guys that were going to be your your top running back and we really don't have that this year and so I don't know how long it's going to take but man is this a tough tough year to have that situation because how different would things be if it was you know, Aaron Jones opening up this year. If we had Aaron Jones and we were opening up against at Oklahoma, we beat Oklahoma. You know, <laughs> we beat of, of course we wouldn't. But I'm just saying, like, as as an offense, you know what you're yes, gonna do. Exactly. I mean when you go into a place like Oklahoma and you don't have that, where do you even start? You know what exactly. I'm saying? So I that's that's a very interesting situation for me. That backfield, who knows what's gonna end up happening when you when you when you finally come into conference play and you get everything going. I don't know who's gonna be you know, getting the majority of the carries, but I think it's going to take at least a handful of weeks before you really find somebody that kind of sets themselves apart from the rest and shows that they are the guy to take over that lead role. And just a little note that just actually came through from Ryan
0: Stein, one of our trusty commentary uh, writers over there at Minor Rush. He's he's saying that uh, he's been told that Fields is struggling in pass protection, which could be a which could be too. He didn't he didn't pass protect that all in America. They ran the ball seventy eight. Yeah. Time and when they did pass, he was a part of that. And
1: Aaron hit, so. Jones was such a unicorn, man. I mean, at least for a place like UTEP, like you just don't see that yeah. guy come. I mean, when you talk about a guy that comes in freshman, ready to ball, ready to ball, and is able to, to pass protect, is able to run the ball, is able to catch the ball. I mean, you just you don't see that. I mean, that, that doesn't happen all the time. And I think a lot of us got real excited when we saw Josh Fields commit to UTEP because you almost felt like this is Aaron Jones yeah. again, but really, like, it is, it's not, it's not, it's yeah. hard to expect that from anybody, you know? So I think Josh Fields will be a hell of a player by the time it's all said and done here at UTEP, but I don't know that he's going to be ready to come in right away. And like you're talking about, if he is struggling in the passing, you know, pass protection, then it's hard to put him ahead against, you know, ahead of other guys like Don and Dove and Powell and all these other kids that we got. That's
0: what I'm saying. I, just those, those those particular packages that he's in that I saw in that first scrimmage, it just, it's just, it's real weird just to kind of see how he's going to mix in, but no doubt that the kid has talent. So one more question here. Uh, this one's again from we are minors. Um, and what are your thoughts on the wide receivers as you're, uh, you we are minors. You are minors. We are minors. Do you see that marketing? You campaign? I'm not a minor. Not. <laughs> I didn't even graduate. <laughs> but anyways, my thoughts on the wide receivers. I mean, it's, it, it's kind of like a mixed bag. I mean, Warren Reddix, to me, looks like a guy that that's definitely improved. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Warren Reddix has improved his explosion. You know, he's improved his route running. He, I mean, he had one of the biggest catches of the season last year in that overtime game. I mean, this guy is definitely, you know, going to step up and, and be a productive guy. Terry Junell is another guy that I really, really saw in the spring, uh, to the spring, to the fall, kind of just take that extra step. Tyler Batson looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Uh, you know, I, I, tough for me to really be hype on the wide receivers because for one, only one wide receiver has caught over 40 passes and has 500 yards in his in, in a season. That's Cole Freytag. Actually, it's happened twice. Jaquan White did it the year before. But you see what I'm getting where you, both of those guys returned last year. Jaquan had a great year junior year, disappeared his senior year. Freytag had like six catches for 150 yards his junior year, and then he breaks out his senior year. So it's, just, it's really hard to get a gauge because UTEP is such a run-heavy team because they haven't had that one Jeff Moturi, they haven't had that Johnny Lee Higgins, that Joe West, that guy that you know is good for five to seven catches a game, and you know he's going to get his 80 catches to 1,000 yards a season. UTEP hasn't had that in the Sean Cougar offense. So it's hard, to, while they look good on paper and while, while Reddicks has improved, I can honestly say, you know, Warren Reddicks is really the most reliable guy out of that, out of that group, and, and that's not taking anything away from Tyler Batten, but they, he just hasn't had his number called enough. You know, and that's, that's really kind of what's been a problem for, for the lack of consistency with these Utah wide receivers is they just haven't had that opportunity to to know you're going to get targeted four or five times, you know, to know, you know, you're going to be out on the field for three or four passing plays instead of block, run blocking for two or three times. And I think that's really kind of where I struggle w- w- with anointing this wide receiver group as a lot of people have and Sean cooler himself have. You know, I just don't see that kind of that big-time playmaker. But that Allen Busey kid looks like he could possibly become that vertical threat there's just so many question marks of, of of going back to minor in Wisconsin's question. Are they going to open up the passing game where there's vertical passing options, where there's, you know, back to back, throw the ball three or four times in a row, just trying to get something, trying to get the defense to bite that. I think it, more so my thoughts on the wide receiver is going to come down to play calling, going to be calling down to packages and situations. And I think that's kind of the best way that I feel that I can explain this wide receiver group without just totally shitting on them. And, and one thing I, I, that I've been hearing too I've heard, I know the El Paso Times reported Eddie Senegal is out with, edu- w- with grades. My sources close to Eddie are saying he still has a chance, but I mean, the closer we get to the Oklahoma game, it don't look like it. So, I honestly, right now, I would count out Eddie Senegal, and that's tough because, I mean, that kid really, I mean, had a 100-yard game against La Tech last year, one of
1: the top secondaries in the conference, so
0: I'll, I'll, I just have a mixed bag when it comes to receivers. I'll more. take you
1: at your word on the receivers because I haven't, I haven't gotten a chance to get out and see them, but what am I am I dreaming when I say that we didn't we get a transfer on a wide receiver from a power five school or am I just completely making that up? Nah, I think you was completely uh, yeah, making it up v c was the only uh but or was it that
0: was, have, that was that was that was my off season
1: what, or maybe we were just in the running for something that, anyway. that was my
0: off season uh laundry list was a, was a was a transfer wide receiver, I think maybe we had talked about it, but the only transfer receivers that Allen Busey kid had some productive numbers as a Juco kid, but i mean he looks like that downfield threat i mean he really does look like a guy. there was a situation that went red zone uh it went red zone work, first two plays defensive line sack Mets back to back third and twenty one Mets kind of rolls out to his left, steps back from the pocket, throws up a jump ball on this Busey kid. I mean, just look natural. You know I mean? Sometimes you're like, oh, shit, you just kind of got lucky. No, that kid went up there. He went up there, grabbed it, brought it down inside the five. That right there just – that looked that looked capable. You know what I mean? I I, I didn't, didn't want to like, I don't want to anoint these kids. We've talked about this so many times that we could go out to a scrimmage and get hyped as fuck with somebody and make plays. But it, it it was just a capable play that looked like you know what? If this kid keeps developing with yeah. Mets and, and we know what type, what type of hard worker Mets is with his receivers, that could be something. This kid, he, uh, you know, you had I think he had like 900 yards with a JUCO last year, had over 50 catches, something like that. Uh, that that is what UTEP needs. They need that big time player on a third and 21. Go up and get it, kid. Yeah. Make a fucking play. That's something UTEP hasn't had. or not not. I don't want to say they haven't had that because I thought with Cole Freight they did. But, uh, you know. What,
1: what I will say, though, and, and I feel like a broken record with this because I do say it a lot. You know, we, I mean, okay, so we, we know what the passing game is or isn't, whatever you want to say with UTEP. But if we're going to be successful running the ball this year, especially without an Aaron Jones, we've got to find that deep threat to, yeah. to be able to stretch defenses out. You know, because we haven't had that for the last three years, and and now's the time where if you're gonna find somebody that like maybe this is the kid, I, I mean, it's right now. Yeah. you You got to have that, and you because you got to keep defenses honest because you don't have Aaron Jones to to break one for seventy every single time he touches the ball. So. That's or, the 90, or ninety-two yards. We got we got somebody on the line. We're, we're gonna, gonna get I trolled. I feel like we're going I don't this number. We'll see. This What's going number. on? You're live on the on the rush. What's going on? We got. Hey guys, this is Chris Sinclair
2: calling in from uh, New York City. How are you guys doing tonight?
1: Doing good, Chris. What's going on in New York? In new York?
2: Man, so uh, truth be told, I'm a Rutgers alum. I, want, I, want to know, I I think you guys are talking about college football tonight, right? Yes, sir. Great. So, uh, you know, I'm a Rutgers alum. I just wanted to hear your guys' thoughts. You guys seem really knowledgeable about the subject. Um, Rutgers seems like they're on the resurgence. Seems like they're going in the right direction. You know, they're building a new... Um, Athletic Center. They're, you know, getting some, you know, top three and four star recruits. So I was wondering if you guys can give me your thoughts on Rutgers. If It seems like you guys are experts, so I assume you guys know a little bit about Rutgers football, but any
1: thoughts would be great. You know what, man? So I'm assuming you found us on the uh, Blog Talk Network, which is great. Awesome to see that you're tuning in. We're actually a UTEP uh, blog under SB Nation. Time. So we, we cover UTEP oh. and Conference USA sports, but it's no it's no deal, man. I mean, hey, we could talk Rutgers sports. Uh, but why don't you fill us in <laughs> on what's going on to give us a little, a little bit of, of uh, Rutgers football? Because I, you got me. Go ahead, man. I'll give, I'll give you your time. Though. I'll give you one minute.
2: Cool. Thank you very much, uh, guys. You know, I learned a lot just listening to you guys. Even if I don't really know all the players you guys are talking about, it seems like you guys are really knowledgeable about the sport. You guys, uh, you know, even just from a strategy perspective, I think you guys were talking about kept getting a, uh, you know, a deep ball threat so that they could run the ball, pound it down low. Um, so it's, uh, it's great to hear, you know, strategy and discuss, you know, just overall tactics, with you guys. Anyway, Rutgers football. So you guys know, you know, you guys probably hear some of the big names that come out of Rutgers. You know, we got a Ray Rice, we got a Gary Nova. Sure. We got You know, all these guys who, you know, coming out of Rutgers. Um, I want to uh, ask you guys a quick question. Um, our running game right now is not very strong. We have a lot of default threats. What is, and I have a follow-up question to this, but if you have a default threat, can you get by with just like an average running back or, you know, maybe even a, a low average running back, let's say you have a strong O-line and a few deep ball threats, can you get by in a college football season with just a below average running back?
0: In my personal opinion, I think you can. If you're, if you're able to get that three to four yard per clip and, and keep it manageable, and like you mentioned, have, keep that deep threat in your back pocket I think that's kind of a big thing. And, and I, I, let me ask you. That's kind you, of you, the butt we're in. Yeah, that's kind of the ball. And that, that's what I'm going to ask you. Is Rutgers, would you consider them kind of that pro style or is it a spread real quick? Just a real quick question I got for you. What would you consider their offense? So... so-
2: you know, we just hired Chris Ash. I don't know if you guys know who that is. He was uh, working at Ohio State before this, so I would say okay. it's probably a hybrid of spread
0: and pro style, yeah. but it's, yeah, he incorporated. And, and I know, think with with, with that, I, especially those type of offenses. I mean, you look at the way college yeah. football is nowadays. I mean, the running game for some teams, the running game is is, is kind of a, almost a throwaway play where you know you, you don't care as long as you're getting those three or four yards to to be able to just keep the defense honest, yeah. to be able to beat a blitz. Maybe you call you know a, a trap or something where you get a guard pulling or some catch somebody slipping I think with those style of running so I I think I really think that you know even with the with the with an with an adequate line let's start there not so much a below running back a, you know below average running back but if you have an adequate line that could set that table mm-hmm. and get you those three or four yep, yards yep. to set up that deep yep. ball I think that's something that we've been clamoring for here at UTEP for a long time just to be able to have that threat and if if Rutgers has that right. consistent threat and, and you know going back to the way that that play action sets that up. I mean that that could be that could definitely be a big mm. card for the Skyline. Interesting,
1: great. You know what that I would, would exactly say though, I'll... just adding to that, is that the, the the downside is the league that you guys play in. Because for us, right. we're looking at this in in a very similar way except that we play in Conference USA where you don't have teams yeah. that are known for defense. And, and you know, when you talk about the Big Ten and looking at your off schedule, starting yeah. off with a team like Washington, I mean, you got a couple cupcakes after that. But once you get into the conference play, I mean, there are no easy games. And and you're talking about the Big Ten that's pretty much known as, I guess, the second best defensive conference. Would that. you say that? You I mean, that. SEC is going to be number one. So, I mean, you yep. guys you guys are going to have it tough, man. I would say – it's going to be tough to get by with a, a below-average running game, but I mean, I guess right. anything's possible, right? Yeah. Cool. cool. Chris, thanks, thanks for you. tuning in, man. We appreciate you. Feel free to look us up, uh, minorrush.com. It's SB Nation is the group, and uh, chime in whenever you'd like, man. You, you ten, you ten,
0: stop. That was. We've just become a Big Ten Rutgers blog for a little bit.
1: <laughs> no, that was that was definitely a troll. Do you see that? Did You hear that at the end? Uh huh. That was I UTEP my, sucks, right? He said, I, 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 I kind of took my my, I had, headphones, I had off, my headphones off. Too. That's all good. Uh, we got we're we're used to being told, Chris. That's the thing that you don't realize, man. So it's we we, we we deal with it. I mean, I I I, I, I want to talk football. It, football you is you know, coming up. That's, but, a, that's a legit but, football question. But though. assuming he is a Rutgers fan, I mean, he's not really in any better boat than we are at UTEP. So I mean, anyway, great shoutout walking through that door. But anyway, this guy's still talking about Ray Rice. Next week, I don't know if we're going to be able to deliver
0: a podcast to y'all because Chihuahua's going to be in town and this this and this going on. So, you know, I don't know how much we're going to preview Oklahoma because, honestly, I'm going to keep it real. I don't have any expectations for this game. Like, you know, when when we talk weekly, you know, we we always kind of have our, well, what do you want to see? You know, what do you want to happen? We know what's going to happen final score-wise, but I just – I don't know. I I I, I honestly. I, I let me just say this about this UTEP team overall this season. I don't know. I have no. Yeah. I, I, they could win three games. They could win six
1: games. And they could yeah. win seven. They could go win this. I. I it just, all starts. It all starts with Aaron Jones. Yeah. Man, the and the lack it. of Aaron Jones because we knew what to expect out of the offense the last couple of years, and now we don't. And we never know what to expect out yeah. of the defense. So now you're in a boat where it's just like, what is going to happen? And so. Matt, let's let's get into this schedule. We talked we've talked quite a bit about the about football, you know, with the questions and whatnot. But let's look at this schedule because when when it comes down to it, that's going to determine.
0: And you find how out well right away. You you find out right away with Oklahoma. I mean, I, mean, I, I you going mean, to throw that one out. Yeah, you you, yeah, you, I, you, you can with... take pieces of it if if you, you want to showing. yeah i mean you hope that that it you keep the mistakes to them, keep man, the run. injuries down injuries jesus down. christ please just <laughs> their
1: but area. i mean when you talk about okay you open up at oklahoma you come back and you go here's, here's that's something the game that, that's very kind of it, it gets kind of swept under the rug and you don't really realize it but after september 15th we have three home games yeah. you're talking about what is that uh Nine games left. So we have six out of nine games on the road after September 15th. And, you're play, and before that, you're and playing three straight games here. I don't care here. about this whole bullshit about, oh, NMSU is a home game. It is not a home but it's game. Not, yeah, but, but it, it's it's a, nice that it's close. Yeah, yes, but it is not yeah, a home game.
0: But, I mean, you, yeah, I, I see exactly but what you're but saying. But you
1: start out at Oklahoma. Rice, I'm not too sure how they've been. Obviously,
0: they have a lot of guys returning, but we'll find out this Saturday when they, they uh, strap up with
1: Stanford this Saturday. Then you Then you got Arizona here. And then you're at New Mexico State. I mean, those first four games. What what do you hope for? I mean, honestly, I,
0: I honestly I would say two and two. I mean, you best best case best scenario case. Yeah, two and case. two. Worst case scenario one and three. You know, do I, we
1: have a chance to hang? With I Arizona? think we
0: do. I, I, I'm not so Arizona at uh, Rich Rod. Rich Rod? I, I I don't like what he's been doing over there. I. I just, from a whole, I, I can really, I don't want to get into Arizona football for it, but just from a whole structural program standpoint. Yeah, I've never I, been a huge fan of him. I, I don't like what he does there. I, I don't don't, like to West Virginia. Yeah, I, I don't like the fact that they don't really hit that much in the preseason. They're a really finesse team. I mean, they've gone from a three-three-five to, a, I don't know if they're back to a 3 4. I mean, they took one of our best fucking recruiters, <laughs> you know, Theron H, that was a wide receiver coach there. I think, honestly, and I told this to uh, the dude at Minor, uh, Minor Illustrated, that game kind of reminds me of uh, Texas Tech when they came in here two years ago. Uh, w- you know, w- when basically they should just hand the ball to Aaron Jones or started throwing that fourth down. I think it's going to be one of those games where UTEP's going to have a chance. I, I, don't, I don't think Arizona's going to just come in here and just lay the wood on UTEP. I think that's going to be a game that you're coming off that Rice game, a conference game, that's always a physical game. UTEP has had their number, at least here uh, when we're talking about Rice, I think utep has a puncher's chance to just hang around in that game and and it would honestly it wouldn't surprise me because of and i only say this because of how bad arizona could possibly be overall in the pac-12 I, utep could have a chance if you come into that game healthy if there's stuff to build on after those first two games you know at, with oklahoma and then at, at home against rice is there any chance we start 0 four I think there is a chance. I I really think there's a chance. I mean, Rice is kind of that wild card. When you get past that third game, New Mexico State's offense, they have a lot of guys coming back. Larry Rose, Tyler Rogers, uh, I think the Hogan kid, the wide receiver, they have three or four receivers that are back. Offensively, that New Mexico State team is going to be pretty damn good for a Sunbelt team. Wouldn't it surprise me to see them, you know, be a thirty-point per game, three hundred and fifty-yard passing type of team because of their experience defensively. I still think they're a little bit weak, uh, but I mean, this is a team that's really challenged UTEP in a sense the past couple yep. years. Even I mean, last year was kind of a it wasn't as close a, a, as the score kind of indicated. There was a in that first half where that game could have swung and New Mexico State really could have made that shit a ball game, but Aaron Jones is Aaron Jones, and he did his thing in that game. But I honestly, I mean, with this team, there's no. I'm, I'm kind of open. Like last year, what do we say? Oh shit. Seven wins. This is a bowl team. We got this back. We got Aaron. I mean, there was no convincing us otherwise that UTEP was a six to seven win team. This is a team that hell if they could beat somebody at home because of the schedule they had last year, but this year with the schedule, it's like anything and, can and happen. Owen so, so four could so be a
1: big possibility. And so, okay. Let's just say it is a possibility. Where does it end? Because you got Washington, Kentucky at UAB Thanksgiving, you're you're at Southern Miss, and I mean Southern Miss obviously hasn't been.
0: Edo Smith. That's all I'm gonna say. Edo Smith is is the is the new Aaron Jones of Conference USA. Edo Smith.
1: What's what's Southern Miss coming off of last year? I think they they were bowl, they seven, and six? Seven, seven and six. is So I mean, in the year before that, they, lost they Nick were Owens too. They, they got, yeah. They're finding a the quarterback, but that's a program that has never yeah. held down for long, man. That is a, that is a program that's never held down for long. It wouldn't surprise me to see them at the top. And they still Alize like, Staggers, really, one of the best receipt, one of the most explosive receivers That's an
0: interesting team. I, I, <laughs> and I'm just that's zero like, six possibly, yeah, exactly. and then Utsa, and they, which you know, a lot of people are on the U S Utsa hype train. I'm not jumping on it yet. But there's just something about that game. Yeah. There's always, there's just something about that game where I, if you're somebody from that fan base and you say your team's gonna win, you're full of shit. Let that <laughs> game play out because crazy shit have crazy shit has happened with UTSA and UTEP. That could be a toss up. Sitting here in August, that's a toss up game. But I see exactly what you're saying. I mean, it could get this ugly early up, yeah. if this team it isn't on their screws early if they're not competing.
1: Perfect if, if, if,
0: example, last year we started 1-4, you know, 1-5 last year, couldn't find offense, couldn't find a quarterback, couldn't find consistency. We knew we had A.J. We knew we had 2-9. Two 2-9 nine, two nine was going to go off. But, you know, defensively, I mean, that is kind to kind of be the key. Can this defense create turnovers? Can this defense create havoc and, and put the other offense in situations where UTEP's offense is in those early games? I think the defense is, is really going to be – that strong point that kind of something that we might know right now we don't know anything about the offense but we know defensively they've improved on the defensive line defensive backs you know you're getting back Cockrell, you know you're getting back michael lewis you have two of the, t- the better corners in conference usa it, it could go anywhere i mean this, this could be a three and three star a two and four start, a zero and six star it, it it's just going to be real interesting to see how this team bounces back from that Oklahoma game with rice conference USA, you know, rice has a pretty tough schedule as well. So it's it just, there's so many question marks and it really, to me, it starts with that schedule and it starts with those six games. Cause those that's tough. That's tough. We've talked, we talked about it. Uh, we've kind of brushed around it. we kind of teased a little bit, went around the leg teased, but I mean, now that it's here, I mean, the possibilities are really endless. And, it just it doesn't look good. I, I'm not optimistic as I've been in the past to say you know. Obviously Aaron isn't here. That's something that kind of changes your optimism when you have two nine in the backfield. But what do you I see mean, out of the defense? I, I see, for one, they got to get out. They they have to create some type of pass rush. And I think with the depth that we've built with the linebacker with, within the front seven, you know, I, the, the kid that we signed this year, Brent Ochikwaku, I think that's how you say his name? Recruited as an offensive or recruited as an outside linebacker. Certain certain packages, certain diamond nickel packages. This guy's putting his hand in the ground as a speed rusher. I mean, that's something that I mean, when have you ever seen UTEP have that versatile Never. linebacker where you can say, oh, Okay, go ahead and put your on a third down here, we're gonna go dime package, we're gonna we're gonna basically go drop into coverage, go get the quarterback. And he creates some type of habit. He didn't get a sack. But you know, that I think defensively with the depth that they have they got to create some type of pass rush. You have to that just Julian Jackson kid has got to be a factor. I know he had three sacks and a three, four defense, a weight force. I'm looking for him to really step up. I mean, we know what we're getting from Alvin. I mean, that's pretty much a yeah. given Dante I me mean, This is the kid that I think we interviewed him when we signed Denzel Chukawalu, mm-hmm. bro. That, I, yo, if, if if somebody ever wants some beef with me, I'm taking this dude to the alley and we going because, yo, this dude is yoked. He's, he has his motor. I mean, it was funny because, uh, I don't say it was funny, but there was a play where he basically whooped the right tackle's ass and he drove his man into Ryan Metz. And Metz went down. Coogler lost his shit, bro. Like, Kugler went eight shit. But to me, that was like, damn, that was that was all strength. Like, that was just him being a motor, knowing that, look, he's got me locked in. I'm just going to push you right into your quarterback. That's something we haven't seen out of a UTEP defensive end for a long time. And this kid goes 640, 6'4", 290, 280. I mean, yo, bro, looking like an SEC defensive lineman. Not that he's SEC defensive lineman, but he looks like it. That's a difference. Plus, Sky Logan, who's been around the past couple of years. Mike Soda started last year. Chris Richardson's the big guy in the middle, the 300-pounder. I, I like the defense. I, I like it. I-, I think there's pieces there. But you go back to last year, they were terrible against the run terrible against the run and when it came to we're great against the pass. one of the top one of the top 50 defenses and forcing incomplete passes but those lack of turnovers the lack of sacks the lack of putting teams in that third and 20 situation to have them banana peel and throw a pick or a fumble that's the next step of this tom mason defense that you kind of saw at smu you know that once they got that depth and i'm hoping I'm hoping because of the depth that that Cougars built, particularly in that front seven, not so much in the secondary, because a lot of those guys in the secondary have been around. But what he's done in the past two years with that transition, I like it. Will it translate to production? Like I said, that's going to be the big question. I like the pieces out of there. Another guy, too, Jamar Smith. Head record, middle linebacker, about a 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, I, I, I tower over this dude, yo. But he has, he's one of those – you remember the Jimmy Musgrave where saying you just have to have those crazy motherfuckers just put their hat, not really give a fuck? That's Jamar Smith. And that that's that's just adds to a lot of what's already there with Alvin, with Devin, with Nick Needham, with Kalon Beverly. And if this defense can find that, if they can find that where the offense keeps them off – the where their own offense keeps them off the field – Kind of going back to that Texas game, that if, they, if, they, if that offense can play like that first half they did against Texas all season long, where they're getting after the pressure, where they're getting after the quarterback, where they're creating, you know, havoc, that's going to be key when they're slowing down the run, not so much stopping it. This is a bend, but don't break 3 4 defense. We all know that. But if you can just limit that run, that's going to go a long way for this defense. But time will tell. September 2nd is going to come quick. And, ah, man, what is it? 45 or 45 point dogs, 45 and a half? Is that what it is? I haven't even looked. It's one of the me. highest. It's one of the highest. Uh, this' one of the high, my boy took my. Let me see this. I want to, take, I want to check it out. This is, yeah, it we'll with a little betting talk. The talk is I, not bad yeah, on Utah. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I, lo, I, lo, I love them, but man, I just don't see all all this USC talk. Dude. There's a
1: whole lot of a whole lot of college football, so I gotta find this one. Here we go, Utah. Um, well, I mean, it went down. It started at forty eight. It opened at forty eight. So it's forty five for a good couple. It's of weeks. down. It's down to forty four. It's probably go up again. Which uh, basically it tells you that the line was too big. I mean, that's that's what. Anytime you see that that type of movement from a line, that means that a lot of money's on UTEP as far as not to win, but to to cover that spread. So that couple when you start seeing now. that line dropping, that means that. That is settling in. So I would say that's, where, that's probably where it'll end up. at somewhere around 45. But I mean, either way, that's that's a lot of points, man. That's a lot of points over under 62 and a half. If you guys are betters, that's probably the player. There's the over in that game. You could bet. I don't want to say it. I shouldn't say it against my own team. But the over. The over. Yeah, the, <laughs> the over is a lot. The over I mean, the I would over is say home was going to put up points. Slide in so. Anthony's DMs if you, want.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you want the real take,
1: slide up Miss Loves' DMs. You hook you up with some Betty take. Well, man. I'm not going to lie. It was it was a bit rough. We had we had I, a, little a, a little bit little of rust. We, we got into it. We got into it. Then we had our our our, 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 our weekly troll. That was nice. Um, I'm, am I am I hearing these? Did he not? I'm he gonna not go back to the tape. I'm gonna go back to. But he or knew. He blocked his he? number.
0: He knew. He, I yeah. mean, he knew. He played it off pretty well. He sounded like at first least, time. At long least time. he played it
1: off. At least he played it off. Sometimes you just get to do the dudes that don't, but.
0: It's all good. That's why we need a screen, a call screen, and we're uh, we're hiring. You. We're hiring. You call a... screeners. Oh yeah, too. Before we leave, guys, shout out our new writers. I'd have felt like an asshole if I did it. Shout out to Mark Tishera. You've seen some of his work on the Rush. You' uh, PhD student. Definitely gonna be a solid, solid addition to the Minor Rush family. And then Yin Yang Samurai on Twitter at Yin Yang Samurai. The Samurai he put out a piece about UTEP basketball. He'll provide some commentary for us. So, if y'all want to hit us up, man, you know, let us know what's good. You'll hear you know, this, this podcast season's will be a little bit interesting to see. I don't mean Anthony got a bunch of crazy shit going on,
1: you know, we'll I'm see we am 8 weeks away from, from the. He's about to
0: be a father, my man. Yes sir. Congrats to the Salone family and another season on deck, bro. Year 4 for it's me, year 7 interesting, for man. you. It's, it's
1: going to be interesting. I mean, I don't know what to expect out of the Oklahoma game. Obviously we're not expecting to win, but I mean, maybe you see some things, you know, maybe they do. Yeah. Early on, early on in the game, you get it, you know, get a couple drives going, and you you know, it's only a, a two or three touchdown game at the half, you know, it's 28, 14 or something like you, you, that stuff, that's the kind of stuff you can build on. You know, the last thing you want to see is, is, for you know us to come out and and you know pick six and you know can't stop anything on defense and all of a sudden we're down 35-0 and at the end of the first quarter I mean that's what you definitely and don't want to try me. out we don't we need, want to, we don't want to see we don't want to be a Twitter meme you need something to build on I mean we're not looking for win the first game you want to minimize mistakes you want to cut down the injuries and you know get out of there in one piece but definitely you want to see some something to take into week 2 against Rice cuz that's when the season for us really starts I mean this is a money game yeah. for us let's, let's be honest collect that uh, check collect that check stay healthy, let's go on the rise and see what we can do. I mean, maybe maybe we have more than we know. I mean, that's just the thing about this team right now is that there's so many unknowns, offense, defense, everything. I mean, you just don't know what what. Like you said, until, until week three, week four, we
0: might for the first time in, and under Sean Cougar, yeah. we, it may take us to week three or four to find out, okay, what this team's about. And, yeah. there, and there could be two ugly losses. But and I, who knows,
1: maybe we don't have the running backs that we've had maybe we don't have the offensive, you know, the, the running production that we've had, and they're forced to throw the ball. And all of a sudden, you see a team in UTEP that turns into a 35, 40-point team throwing the ball, you know, behind Ryan Metz. Met Who imagine. knows? Who knows? I mean, As again...
0: Dad, that's what I want to see, baby. You,
1: you just want to see some positives in the first game, take it into week two against Rice, and if you pick up a win there, you know, you're kind of on your way, because then you hope that you're able to knock off... You're going to be licking your chops Well, not, not necessarily Arizona, knock I mean, off Arizona, I'm saying... Hang against Arizona. I mean, if you do, I think you're in a position where this is a ball season now. You know what I'm saying? Because you're going to start three and one after that. If you're picking up those two wins, you're going to go beat that issue, in my opinion. So, I mean, interesting to to talk about, but there's so many unanswered questions that it's going to take at least till that Arizona game to find out what's going on. But, man, God help us against Oklahoma. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all know where to find us: minorrust.com at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Minor Rush. Any questions, comments, y'all want to help out, y'all want to do some writing, SBN Rush at gmail.com. Whatever it is, let us know. Hit us up, questions, comments, concerns. I'm Anthony Salome. That's Alex Nicholas, and we're out. Peace.